guys, it's me, uh, Weezer Fan420 here, and, uh, today we're gonna, uh, uh talk about how this podcast fucking sucks. <laughs> because today you're gonna talk shit. God, you doing hard on Weezer, Jesus. Or fucking Rivers Cuomo, I mean, I don't care, but damn. Maybe we should ourselves, because that was heavy. That was heavy God. Shots not <laughs> only fired, but a fucking Kareem launching I'm, an ICBM. Sorry. I was saving that for Nirvana, but I don't want to talk about Nirvana. <laughs> oh, God, that's even worse. Um, I'm Robbie. This is Rube Ruben, and um, Kareem is a Weezer fan. Yeah, he sucked. Because, you know, it only feeds Weezer. It only feeds Weezer. You, you right. Know? You know what, Ruben? You only hate me because I look like Buddy Holly. Oh my god, no, you don't look like Buddy Holly. <laughs> quite opposite Buddy Holly. <laughs> oh my god. Uh, uh, anyways, we have some uh, pretty cool stuff for you guys today. Our three albums that we are going to be reviewing in order will be Weezer by Weezer. <laughs> and no, there isn't a song called Weezer. And then it will be Quasimodo, The Unseen. And then we got Green Day and their album Dookie. Which I am excited for because I really love Green Day. So let's get started up. Uh, Kareem, let's go with Weezer. This animated drawing shows how a farrowing house without a guardrail permits the sow to lie on her offspring, causing injury or death. Okay, so Weezer is an American rock band that was formed in LA, California in 1992. And its members are Rivers Cuomo, who's on vocals, Patrick Wilson on drums, Scott Schreiner on bass, and Brian Bell on guitar. And the name Weezer actually comes from a nickname that Rivers Cuomo had in uh, school because he was teased for having asthma. So that, that, that now you know. And this is their debut album which is called Weezer, but it's also called The Blue Album, and it was released in 1994. And actually, there's kind of a <laughs> kind of a bunch of different little albums named after colors. They got the, the Green Album, they got the Red Album, they got the White Album, they have the Teal Album, and they got the, the Black Album. And they actually uh, still do make music. They even released an album in 2021 called Van Weezer. And going back to this album, this was actually pretty successful this was this is still actually considered their best-selling album uh it went certified triple platinum only a year after it was officially released and it sold 3.3 million copies in the u.s and over 15 million copies worldwide by 2009 so people really 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 like Weezer. Uh, so let's uh, get into it. Uh, what, what, what do we think? I'm going to start by saying that Beverly Hills is the only Weezer song I like. It was lightning trapped in the bottle, and it was so heavily trapped in the bottle that when they tried to get it out, um, you know, it was like Rivers Cuomo was reborn, actually. Um, I, I don't know what my joke is here. I only like Beverly Hills. This album annoys me heavily. The album cover I would actually, you know, like. Okay, I'll be nice to Weezer. I like the album cover. I think their album covers in general are, you know, I, I think they work a lot. You know, I like how they have a bunch of fucking albums named Weezer where they're just in front of different things. You know, the black album, they look like they're in fucking gimp suits. But, um, yeah. Aside from that, I don't like Rivers Cuomo. It's not a personal thing at all. I, I guess maybe he's nice. I don't know. I don't care. His vocals annoy me, though. 
I don't know. There's something about them, something weird and nerdy and preachy that I hate. And that's why I really didn't like any track on this fucking album. It was 41 minutes of pain to get through. No, we did not listen to the deluxe edition. I did make jokes about it, though, because it adds roughly 20 more minutes. We're not listening to 20 more minutes of Weezer, and if this is their best album, I assume I will hate the rest. Except for Beverly Hills. That is a classic track, hilariously. Following this geek rock, I think, kind of does fit because it is very geeky, but it's in that really stupid 90s way that I hate. Like, yeah, I get it. You're a fucking preppy kid from the goddamn suburbs of Boston. I understand. All right, so I'm done shitting on Weezer. Ruben, um, be nicer than I am. <laughs> no, I'm not. Because I really feel like he should have kept on getting bullied for his asthma. Um, <laughs> Hold on. Hold on. That's a bit much. That's a bit fucking much right there, buddy. Holy shit. No, they should have bullied him because he made the band Weezer. Okay. Oh, uh, yeah, that's right. That's right. Unfortunately, he made the band Re- Weezer. I'm not going to try to be too shitty, but I will state my case that I'm not the biggest fan of Weezer. I agree with Robbie that they're almost it's almost kind of like a really obnoxious fucking teenage preppy way that he sings and i don't know it just doesn't really jive with me some of the songs are good like i do like buddy holly that's probably the only one i do like on the album really because i don't think his voice is that grating but as far as like the instrumentals i don't think they're bad the instrumentals are actually very good i think that they're put together very well i just think that it suffers from the lead singer and his voice for me i can't get behind it it really grates on me and as robbie has said probably beverly hills is probably one of their best songs and that's because you can kind of feel some emotion i guess <laughs> but uh we've listened to a few weezer songs that weren't on this track like we done the sweater song which is on this track that one i do kind of like even though it doesn't really make any sense to me it's just really fun to sing it I hate that song so much. But I will admit that, yes, they do have actually good instrumentals. I don't mind listening to the instrumentals. I don't think they did bad there. I think, again, it's just kind of how Rivers Cuomo comes off to me and how the lyrics kind of come off at times. They're not terrible. They're not a talentless band. This isn't Starbomb. But also, I just feel like, I don't know, I feel like it was kind of, and this is going to sound really fucking rude, I feel like it's kind of catering to those, you know, white boy super nerds in the 90s who were super outcasts and um, who were basically, uh, I don't know how to describe them because I wouldn't even say they were like gamers or anything. I don't know. There's just a subclass of nerd in my head for the 90s that are like, you know, they they wear the fucking office attire to school. They get wedgies (laughs) constantly and they, they live in the locker while plotting to, um, I won't go any further. I was going to make an insult joke. I really shouldn't. But yeah, no, I, I like the instrumentals. I don't really care for the vocals. I don't really care for most of the lyrical content. I think at times they try too hard to be the voice of the losers, and it just comes off wrong. It comes off broken. They are preppy as fuck. I mean, like, if you want a voice of the outcasts, you know, and again, I may just be biased here. Yes, I would point to something like rap, or I would point to, you know, even parts of pop before I would point at Weezer. I would point at metal first. And, you know, I don't, I'm trying not to make mean assumptions about Weezer fans, okay? Because I know one closely. And I, uh, I hate him. No, 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 no. What I, who I hate is Rivers Cuomo. But you know, um, if I had to choose between, this will be a hot take for everyone. If I had to choose between Rivers Cuomo and Ed Sheeran, I mean, I already like Ed Sheeran. So you know, there's my uh, disqualifying take. Fuck you, Kareem. Yeah. Um, I would fondle Ed Sheeran. 
Oh, we can't that's... include that in the podcast episode. <laughs> I mean, I I do like the instrumental, and yeah, the the vocals are pretty hit and miss. Because I think sometimes like uh, Rivers Cuomo sounds fine, like Beverly Hills. Like, yeah, that's a good song. Um, I definitely say that's like it's not a bonus album, sadly. But like saying so, I think his delivery was fine in that. I didn't hate him in no one else. I guess it, it's just it's really hit or miss. That song was really creepy to me. I, I'm definitely gonna have to listen to that one again. I wasn't really paying attention. One second, to let me double check it because that song I actually did hate. Yeah, no, my issue with that song is it just sounds like an incel anthem. And you know, I get it's supposed to be a love song, but it's like when I hear I who sounds already annoying and preachy be like, oh, I don't want her to laugh at any other jokes. I want her to just live in a oh, house yeah, I'm away. Now. <laughs> it's like. Yeah. Yeah. Damn, you probably hate rap and you hate metal, but you're gonna see this shit. Like, okay, bro, what the fuck ever. Oh so yeah, no. If that song wasn't on the album, I might be more willing to give this thing a better rating than I did. Really? Uh, the world. The, the honestly, the song that I really would get rid of is the world just turned and left me. Only because I fucking hate. Like it has this weird droning noise in it in the instrumental, and it's really annoying. Dude, honestly, this entire album is annoying. It's like I listen to it. It doesn't feel like 41 minutes. It feels like two years it definitely felt longer than it was <laughs> so do we want to do ratings because i also have a special announcement yeah let's do it okay so my special announcement first is because i feel bad putting jack black below weezer i want to go back and do our first re-rating or at least mine for tenacious d rise of the phoenix and we did this in episode 18 this was late or middle of december when we recorded it i want to give that a four <laughs> out of ten which you know i already know ruben and cream are still gonna shoot me but listen it just shot up from a five 5.3 out of 10 to a 6.3 out of 10 mystery meat sticks. Oh, it's it's good, but you're still gonna die. Yeah. So well, yeah, that's okay. That's okay. Uh, for Weezer, I'm giving it a fucking two out of ten. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna give it a three out of ten. I just don't understand what's with all these homies dissing my Weezer. No. Um. <laughs> Why do you got a front? <laughs> Why do you got a front, man? <laughs> uh. Um, I swear to God, I will reverse Rise of the Phoenix down to a zero. I'm kidding, mostly. <laughs> I don't particularly like Weezer, and that's a biased statement. But for those that do like Weezer, I can see why. I think they do have great instrumentals and all that. And it's just a preference thing, I guess, uh, because there's there's tons of singers with different kinds of voices, and not all of them you're going to like. And I just particularly don't like hits. Yeah, yeah, like, personally, I like how My Chemical Romance sounds, or I like how Ollie Sykes from Bring Me the Horizon sounds, or like how you know Lil Wayne sounds but I know people who would probably say oh they sound too whiny or Lil Wayne sounds like he's mumbling you know I don't agree with that but I can get why people would like Rivers Cuomo I get why they would like this music and I think that's fair honestly I just personally could not stand this album uh my rating I'm gonna give it a three because I, I mean I I'm probably not gonna listen to it again <laughs> uh I think there's some tracks that I might revisit, but I, I think if I was ever going to personally listen to Weezer again, I'm going to have to kind of like pick and choose. I, I think the problem is, again, for me, it's kind of like they're really hit or miss with a lot of their tracks just because of the, the vocal delivery. And uh, I, I, I think I'm tapped out. <laughs> now but i don't think they're bad oh i mean that's not a the worst rating they could have gotten um i weezer fans will kill me on site now it's an overall 2.7 out of 10 mystery meat sticks Ooh. um you know kareem joked that he had wanted to suggest starbomb 2 for a couple of these past episodes and i kept threatening him because he was like oh it's time for a stinker <laughs> little did he know that this would be the stinker because i legitimately expected to give it like a five or a six at, before we listened to it yeah me too uh, you know what I- 
I'm going to change my rating and I'm going to give Weezer a 10 because <laughs> I just realized Cuomo is the greatest singer ever. You can't tell me nothing. No, he shares a name with my least favorite governor <laughs> anyway. Yeah, maybe um, <laughs> shut the fuck up. Okay. Um, before we go down a horrible, cringy rabbit hole created by Kareem. Uh, hey, Ruben, how about you shut the fuck up and tell us about uh, The Unseen by Quasimodo? Oh, yeah. Let me do that right now. Cool. What's the matter with you, man? Can't you read? No chicken milk. <laughs> Try the chicken farm down the road. Okay, you can talk now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I said, shut the fuck up, and you were doing great at it. <laughs> so, uh, I picked Quasimodo. Which, uh, interesting to learn, Quasimodo isn't really... I mean, he is the rapper, but he's not. So Quasimodo is a side project of hip-hop producer Madlib from Oxnard, California, which I never knew a place came, named Oxnard existed. Quasimodo is composed of Madlib and his animated alter ego, Lord Quaz. Lord Quaz is known for his high-pitched voice, which often interacts with Madlib's regular voice. Quasimodo was conceived one day in the studio when Mad Madlib decided to rap to his own beats. Madlib did not like the sound of his voice. His friends in, in Oxnard called him Barry White in reference to his deep voice. So he decided to slow his recorder down, rap slowly, and then speed that recording back up to produce Lord Quaz's distinctive high-pitched sound. Quasimodo's lyrics frequently address themes such as violence and drug use in a comedic fashion, and the character of Lord Quaz has been interpreted as a satirical take on gangster rap. That's really cool to learn. So I think before I go into the album, I think that's really cool uh, because you kind of hear that with a lot of uh, rappers having like alter egos. But this one is kind of like it, it really is cool to see how he kind of uh, made it. You know, it sounded it sounds like really simple, and that the animated version is. It it kind of looks like a dog you know what i mean kind of like a a weird looking dog thing with like it a, reminds a, me of a uh, alpha but without hair yeah yeah it, it's kind of cool and i can get where he got the satirical stuff because when you do listen to his stuff it when quasimodo does come on it is often quite in a humor fashion like almost like icp you know what i mean but not really it's just a it's like a parody of whatever of, of gangster rap that he did so there's not really much on the album we have it was a debut album released in june 13th of 2000 so it's a really old album please um, don't call that really old ruben i was born in 98 please <laughs> it's really old i was born in 92 God. so i'm calling myself old too so shut up uh, so <laughs> one neat thing about this is mad lib took mushrooms for a month while creating the album it's just really fucking funny it was co-mixed by cut master kurt and peanut butter wolf i feel like those are made up because he made he had mushrooms but they're real people uh the cover was designed by jeff jank and the song low cast conspiracy was on the soundtrack of the video game honey hawks underground unseen represents a dramatic leap forward for madlib as a producer as he integrates left field found sound samples with dexterity and wit that brings the mind prince paul consistently surprising production work and this was by nathan rabin of the av club it uh it was ranked 17 on spins list of best albums of 2000 and rhapsody ranked it at number seven on its hip-hop's best albums of the decade list holy shit rhapsody god i haven't heard that name in forever 
Is Rhapsody even still going? Um, let me check if she is. I think she is. Yeah, she released an album in 2019. Huh. Wait, when you say Rhapsody, do you mean the female rapper? No, or no, it's Rhapsody, the music stream streaming service. Oh, let, let me. Okay, let me check that because oh, I'm a goober. Yeah. Oh, Napster. Huh. Yeah, it oh. used to be Napster. Um, no, no, buddy, Napster's dead. Oh, oh okay. I mean, technically, yeah, it looks like it's not dead, but it's dead. I don't know who the hell's using Napster in. Yeah, no, it died in 2016. Um, yeah, no one's using. I Napster was. Right now. That's really all. No, you didn't. No, you didn't. You use <laughs> LimeWire. Stop fucking lying. I use SoulSpeak. Don't ban me, Google or YouTube. Wow. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, don't arrest me, please. Anyways, yeah. I, what were you guys' thoughts? There's not really much else on the album but that. So, honestly, my thoughts are weird. And I think part of my issue is that I had different expectations of this album going into it. Like, um, first, I like the album cover. It's minimalistic, and I think it's nice. I think the use of colors is really cool. Also, apparently, apparently Lord Quaz is a pig. At least when you look at him from the front, he looks like a pig. Huh. So, I, I don't know. But anyways... I kind of expected something a lot more surreal, like, you know, um... I can't believe I'm comparing it to this. Freddy got fingered, but rat and maybe dark and depressing. I don't know how you get dark and depressing from that, but um, I'll, listen, I, I found this album on Rate Your Music, and the genre tags got me. So, anyways, I don't think it's a bad album, honestly. So, the album reminds me a lot of uh, both MF Doom and Aesop Rock, though I kind of, I guess Aesop Rock didn't really do that psychedelic rap type thing, but he did do the experimental, you know, alt rap thing. So, I think Quasimodo is better with the lyrics because he actually has something to say. Aesop Rock at times just felt like he was rhyming to rhyme. Personally, I still prefer MF Doom over this only because I preferred how he themed his stuff, how his voice sounds, and a lot of his style. Quite frankly, I don't hate Quasimodo. I just think I went in with kind of weird expectations. The production was okay. But again, it doesn't really ring that unique to me, and I know that's probably going to be an insult to a lot of Mad Lib fans, because he is a big producer, and actually he did do stuff with MF Doom and other rappers. So it's not like, you know, he doesn't have that fucking, like, resume. Like, he has a good resume as far as, you know, production and music goes. It's just, I don't think I really enjoyed this as much as I could have if I went in with the proper expectations, if that makes sense. Kareem, what did you think? Uh, I liked it. Yeah, it was kind of similar to MF Doom. Um, I liked a lot of the jazz. This was also kind of like labeled as jazz rap, so I, I liked that. I, I'm not sure what I expected going into it, but I think this is a pretty good album to listen to. I didn't really have uh, much issue with any of the tracks specifically, and uh, Quasimodo kind of looks like a fucking Jinjo from uh, <laughs> Banjo-Kazooie. Oh, look at him. Go, yeah. Him. Hold on. No, he kind of does. This is kind of does look like a Jinjo, but he's a pig. Okay. Frame. He's a I yeah, thought he I was a dog, from the front. to be honest with you. <laughs> so, I would say, for me personally, this album was muh. In one word, if I had to explain it, it would be muh. It, it wasn't great, but it wasn't bad. I think Quasimodo's high-pitched voice can get a little irritating at some points during. But overall, I didn't really mind any of the songs, but it was kind of like I kind of droned it out at some point and didn't really pay attention to what he was saying all the time. And so some of the song meanings got lost on me. And that's probably my own fault because I, I just couldn't keep up 
or I couldn't understand or I, I just couldn't like link it all together. You know what I mean? But I think he has some strong lyrics. I think he has some strong stuff to talk about. And I think they are valid. It's just the way he presents it can be a bit confusing or it can make it feel like just not as important. That's kind of what you get when you enter like the satirical playground a fucking comedy you know what i mean it kind of can almost come off as disingenuous and so it is not always taken seriously but final thoughts it was a very mutt album and i did, i wouldn't mind listening to more of mad lib stuff in general as a producer but i think i think he did well it just wasn't as well as i thought it could be first this is a very highly praised album which is i i find interesting because i don't know if i disagree with the praise again i just i don't agree with the praise um anyways i'm <laughs> If we can start ratings, I'm going to give this a six out of ten. Yeah, I agree with you. I'm probably gonna I'm probably also gonna give it a six out of ten. Uh yeah, yeah, I'll give it a six. You only gave it a six so you can avoid a dust. <laughs> the overall mystery meat rating, by the way, is a six out of ten. Yay. Okay. Oh yeah. Now that we're done with that Dookie <laughs> My jokes suck ass. Um, we're gonna talk about Dookie by Green Day. It's hard to resist the tantalizing aroma and taste appeal of a sizzling hot dog. The nice part of it is, there's one waiting for you right now at the refreshment stand. So, Dookie is actually the third album from uh, punk rock band Green Day, who uh, are out of uh, San Francisco, California. After a few years dominated by grunge, Green Day released Dookie, and the album essentially uh, brought in a lot of melodic, lively sound to the mainstream music, with the lyrics uh, that a universal audience would have seen as more unassuming, and the band was basically catapulted into worldwide fame. Like, this is the album that made Green Day big. It's considered one of the most defining albums in the 90s and for rock music. It also, in a sense, revived punk rock. And it also would influence a lot of different groups, such as Blink-182, Sum 41, Rancid, and Fallout Boy. Honestly, I think that's deserved because I think this is a really good album. I think Green Day in general was actually a pretty good band uh, for a few albums there, actually. I still like American Idiot a lot, which is a later album from them. This album, the artwork I like, I think it's cute. And I also kind of like how just fun it is in a way it's very comic influenced and i like the fucking nuclear cloud in the middle so green day released two albums before this one 39 smooth which was their debut album in 1990 and kerplunk in 1991 and both were extremely successful in the indie scene in san francisco and abroad they both sold about 30,000 units, and it made a lot of major record labels interested in the band, including Sony, Warner Brothers, Geffen, and Interscope. Representatives from these labels would try to persuade the band to sign by inviting them to meals with one manager, even inviting them to go to Disneyland. And they declined these advances, however, because they wanted to maintain their control, their ownership over their songs, and did not want to conform. And then they met with the producer and A&R representative Rob Cavallo, of Reprise, a subsidiary of Warner Bros. After showing him 40 minutes of Beatle covers, Cavallo picked up his own guitar and the band jammed together with him. They were impressed by his work with the fellow Californian band The Mups and later remarked that Cavallo was the only person we could really talk to and connect with. So eventually they left their independent label Lookout Records on friendly terms and signed to Reprise in 93. This, however, caused a lot of controversy and it was seen as selling out. 
A lot of their original fans from the Independent Music Club at 924 Gilman Street still regard them as sellouts, and the club ended up banning Green Day from entering since then. Reflecting on the period, lead vocalist Billy Joe Armstrong would tell Spin in 99, I couldn't go back to the punk scene whether we were the biggest success in the world or the biggest failure. The only thing I could do was get on my bike and go forward. However, in 2015, the group would later return to play a benefit concert. Also, it should be noted with this album and Cavallo, he was the main producer of the album with Jerry Finn as the mixer, and Green Day originally had given the first demo tape to him. And after he listened to it in the car, he basically thought he fucking hit gold. The band's recording sessions were three weeks long, and the album was mixed only two times. And Armstrong said the band at first wanted it to sound really the same way the Sex Pistols record or the early Black Sabbath record sounded. I'm going to take a tangent right here because Sex Pistols sounded like fucking dog shit. I'm glad they kind of gave up with that shit. Anyways, um, <laughs> they felt the original mix had been unsatisfactory. Cavallo agreed, and I would also agree because I hate the Sex Pistols. Later, it was remixed at Fantasy Studios in Berkeley, California. And Armstrong said of that experience, everything was already written. All we had to do was play it. So I think that's a lot of background. If you guys want, I can go more into some of the songs or even into the packaging itself. But there's a lot to talk about with this album because, again, it is regarded as one of the best rock albums or one of the best punk albums in history. I mean, yeah, I, I totally agree with you because, um, you know, when we listen to it, I've listened to it before. I think maybe when it came to Green Day, I never was really into much of the punk stuff. But Green Day was always just kind of fun. Like you said, it's like a really fun album, man. It's really kind of playful. Even though when you hear the lyrics, it's kind of sad. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's kind of yeah. sad. And you can definitely hear a lot of the angst. And Green Day is like, to me, the definition of a fucking angsty punk band. I remember, I think it was like the VMAs or the Grammys only gave them like one minute to play a song. And the dude freaked out. Billy Joe Armstrong. He uh he freaked the fuck out. He's like, one minute? Fuck you, one minute. And he just flits the camera off <laughs> and he starts like beating the fuck out of his own guitar, dude. Just wailing, wailing on his fucking Based. guitar, man. Dude, it was fucking a nuts, dude. It, it was bass. I mean, he's just like, oh man, he, he just embodies that fucking punk vibe. And Green Day in general just embodies it. Uh, I don't know nowadays if, if it's still a thing. I think Billy Joe Armstrong, he... He has a family. A lot of the band members have families now, but they still have that fucking attitude going for them. It's crazy. I, I've, I've always kind of liked their attitude towards the music industry. I've always liked that they were never, hey, we're going to just go along with what you are going to do. You know, and I'm not saying like, oh, nobody does that in the music industry because there's plenty of artists that do that in the music industry. I just think it's really great when they do. As far as the album. Sorry, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say that, yes, they still release music. Um, I've heard very negative things about their releases since Uno in 2012. But, like, their last album was released in 2020, and it's called Father of All Motherfuckers. <laughs> so, there's that. That's pretty good. I actually like that name, too. As far as the album goes, it's it's a blast. I'm serious. It's a, it's a fucking blast. Uh, you kind of just put it on and you just like start banging your head to it. It's just really fun. It's it's. I wouldn't say bouncy is the word for it. I, I would say it's energetic. That's what I would say. A lot of it's very energetic. Uh, even when it, it, they the songs sound sad, they're very energetic. Production-wise, I was going to say, it feels a lot like, and this is the wrong word, it feels like a happier American idiot. 
because American Idiot does have some of those slower, more depressing songs. That said, though, I, I still think it's good. I think it actually does compare really well to American Idiot, honestly, which I would also hope we review sometime this year. Yeah, that'd be fun. Uh, I really, I, I've never heard a Green Day song I've hated, honestly. I'm always down to listen to some Green Day, so I was pretty happy to listen to this one. There's really not a song on here I'd really skip. I, I was really enjoying it all. Um, I love the little scream and she were like, yeah! Like at the, uh, I forget which part of the lyrics, but I, I love that bit. I love Basket Case. That shit was always in my work playlist, uh, like years ago. I love listening to it. I liked Welcome to Paradise. I I, I love this album. And I like the album art because it's um kind of gives me the vibes of like a Where's Waldo book or like kind of like how um like some drawing some kid would do in like their notebook or something. I don't know. That's kind of sort of the thoughts that, that the art gives me and I like it. Yeah, definitely. Basket the case, man. That's just a fun song to sing. Do you have the time to listen to me whine? I do whine a lot. <laughs> But it's really, yeah, dude, the lyrics are really fun, man. They're really fun to sing. I don't think uh I feel like if you listen to any of their songs, they kinda have that really addictive quality to them when they're when they have the choruses or the lyrics even. Like that whole song is just really memorable in my head because of how it's sung. Uh and even though we were shitting on Rivers Como, Billy Joe Armstrong kinda has a obnoxious voice too, but I like how he does his obnoxious voice. How fucking voice. dare you? I mean, I don't think he has an obnoxious voice. I actually like how he sounds. Yeah, and again, I could list him alongside Ollie Sykes as someone that, you know, some people may criticize as sounding whiny. But still, no, I, I do see what you're saying, and I do agree. Not that he's obnoxious, that he has a good voice. And he uses yeah. it well. He uses it well. It forms, he forms his lyrics very well to his singing tone and his style. And that's always been kind of a thing. They're really distinct sound, in my mind. Like, I, I don't think anybody really sounds like Green Day. So, <laughs> If you hear a Green Day song, you know it's fucking Green Day, not someone else. <laughs> yeah, and that's also why, again, you know, I bring up American Idiot because to me, American Idiot is one of those just classic punk albums that also screams Green Day still. And this does that too. Like, yeah, no, their style is all over this album, and I love it. I like their style, especially the 90s, early 2000s when they had... Are we down for ratings? Yeah, yeah, let's okay, go. Okay, I'm going to give this a 10, actually. Uh, I'm going to give it a 10. I'm going to give it a 10. God damn it. <laughs> it's a 10. Yeah, yeah. pretty easy. Yay, that's 10 out of 10. These three meat sticks. I don't think we've had a 10 out of 10 in a while. I think we did it like a couple did. episodes ago. We had a Tupac. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's Tupac. Yeah, episode 26. No, I do think this is our first album, though, where one of the ratings is literally below a 3, and then the other one's at a 10. God. Yeah, it's been a while since we've had a... Uh... Yeah, yeah these are like even all American rejects got more love. Damn. Yeah, <laughs> they didn't. Yeah, but we, we just gotta move along uh. from that. <laughs> so, um, do we want to discuss our current takes on the music industry currently and who we see as up and coming stars or formerly up and coming stars? Even the advertising process of broiling the hamburgers is fun and promotes friendship and good fellowship. Yeah, and I would like to read uh, just a little bit snippet of an article uh, from sure. Forbes. So this is Forbes, uh, and it's the future of music, where it is today and where it's going in the next decade. This was published on February 2nd of 2020. So it's been a few years. It's been about two years. The article goes on by saying change, disruption, transformation, all of it accelerating. That's the story of our tech transformed world. 
of MNE. The music industry is no exception. Look at TikTok, one of the industry's biggest stories last year. TikTok officially launched only a couple years back after swallowing up music.ly in 2017. Most of the in the US MNE uh, world dismissed TikTok as a 2019 uh, as 2019 began. So did most US consumers in TikTok's target Gen Z demographic. But look at it now, only 12 months later, as we begin 2020, TikTok is a new, the major new social media force and not just for music anymore. That's how fast it happens. TikTok is Gen Z's latest obsession. And just to kind of go on a tangent there, I, I do feel that the TikTok generation has really massively influenced music and how it is gone out there. And uh, part of me feels like it made people impatient and so you you get these songs that are just kind of like a lot of them in my view are just kind of like half-assed them they you don't really get the huge snippets of the songs and i don't really feel like it's a reliable source but i can see why people use it as we begin 2020 the music industry's days of doom and gloom are officially over happy days are here again as the overall global recorded music ecosystem continues to win big although final 2019 numbers aren't in yet 2019 is expected to represent five straight years of double digit or near double digit growth for decades of eviscerating losses that doesn't mean that all participants are happy of course many artists and virtually all labels continue to bemoan streaming's increasing dominance even as that phenomenon drives rent views ever upward the global recorded music industry is expected to close 2019 roughly 20 to 21 to 21 billion uh goldman sachs glowing forecast today's numbers numbers will more than double to 45 billion by 2030 a number that does not include the separate global live music market that rice waterhouse cooper's forecast to reach 31 billion in 2020 uh, 2022 just two years from now so apparently from what this is saying is the music industry is actually really popping right and that's kind of why I, why I wanted to start with it is really popping I just think that we haven't really seen or there's just so many artists nowadays it's hard to like as me and Robbie have spoken it's hard to find who's the next big person for any kind of genre you know what I mean be it who's the next big person to lead the rap game into you know a more influential way like Eminem did or Tupac did or Dre did or something like that or uh, Kendrick Lamar did who's that gonna be and it's it's really hard because you can't really pinpoint it down in my opinion not in today's market so I think part of it is that yes we don't really the way music is consumed now is a lot quicker than it was before we don't really have these songs or albums lasting a month in the conversation anymore because of the internet and how quickly it's evolved like in the late 90s early mid 2000s you had the internet but, you know, you still had one-hit wonders. You still would have been talking about an album or a song for months. Now it's like, you talk about it maybe a week. I mean, some songs I think do get a bit more time. But with regards to rap, which I mostly focused on for this segment, I do think it's kind of harder to see who, you know, might be the next big thing. And that's also be that's also why when I get into some of the Sorry. names I listened to and looked into, it's fine. Some of the names I listened to and looked into, I kind of didn't just go with people who just started in 2020. I went with some people who started, you know, mid-late 2010s. Because, like, the way I think of it is, like, Kendrick Lamar 
blew up in the fucking 2010s. He didn't blow up in the 2000s, even though he's been rapping since, I think, the early 2000s. It's like, yeah, I don't know. Some rappers can have it quicker than others. Like 50 Cent, it was a few years after he got shot, after his debut album was shelved. Or, because like for 50 Cent, you know, he had a debut album and then it got shelved after he got shot. But then a couple years later, he's signed by Dre and Eminem. So it's like, everyone's rise tends to be different. And I think we do have a lot of, you know, promising rappers coming up who could, you know, end up having that lasting influence. Um, I'll likely also touch on a couple rappers who I think could have, but sadly, something kind of cut into their career, either death or a controversy of some sort that's just derailed them entirely. So, yeah, uh, but first, I actually want to hear what you guys think. I think right and nowadays it's trying to find someone who I would think like would feel like the roles of like I'll take the rock genre for instance. I don't think rock is has ever been dead. I just think that it's it's not in the forefront of people's minds anymore. You know what I mean? Uh, I I feel like when the eighties and nineties came about, uh, that's when it was kind of like focused and and some some of the two thousands like. I'm not saying rap was never like really big during those times because it was. Uh, it was just that I saw that kind of rock had more of a face until probably the mid 2000s, and then it just kind of like not went obscure, but like you just had a a flux influx of all these bands, and I think at one point they just kind of sounded the same. So I kind of got out of the genre for a little bit there, and I just listened to like old the old shit that I used to listen to. Nowadays because we have listened to a lot more albums that I've never really listened to. And they've been like rock or like rap or something like that. You, you can find that there's a lot of distinctive styles. There's a lot of distinctive ways that artists do their music that makes it appealing. And uh, part of me feels that it's, it's hard to determine that Eminem level of talent or that fucking Chris Cornell level of talent. um, When, there's just an influx of different sounding bands and artists that have potential and have like a lot of potential, but I think there's just so much to choose from that it's hard to point uh, pin it down because you just have a lot. You just have so many choices. Right. Like, uh, like it's not like, I, I don't want to say like oversaturated because that's not really the word I want to say, but like, it's like the market for it is so wider now than like it's ever been that like, I could go down a rabbit hole just in one genre, you know what I mean? Like, more than I could have. The bar to entry has been lowered significantly. Like, again, if we look at horrorcore in the 90s, you don't really have that many, you know, coming up, either because their shit is now lost, or because, you know, the ones who were quote-unquote successful in some way were the ones who were able to, you know maybe get the papers to report on them or they were doing something experimental. Now, as we went through the 2000s with the internet progressing how it has, we have seen, you know, the growth of other labels aside from, like, Psychopathic and Magic Ninja. And we've seen, you know, just go... We've, in general, with rap, seen a growth in the popularity of underground rap and just non-mainstream rap while also seeing mainstream rap evolve in a way, in a much different way than, you know, it was going in the 90s and 2000s. Because really, what we were seeing in the 90s was, I think, kind of a backlash against, you know, like MC Hammer and the Vanilla Ice type, like, dance music with, you know, gangster rap becoming prominent. And then in the 2000s, we saw that evolve into... um. We saw that evolve into bling rap, 
And from there, it's just like that's just one subgenre of rap. But we also saw hardcore rap becoming more popular because of like Nas and Eminem. And now in the 2010s, we've seen, you know, that kind of braggadocious gangster rap, bling rap style kind of evolve again into drill and trap. While you still have Kendrick Lamar kind of people like Kendrick Lamar and J. Cole pushing this more conscious kind of idea into the mainstream. And then we're also seeing kind of that dance music come back, in my opinion, with some artists as well, like Lotto. Yeah, like Cardi B, for example. She is actually fucking great. Uh, as as a rapper, I think she actually is really good. She has a really great flow. It's just fucking awesome. And um, like you've told me, Robbie, she's just gotten a lot of hate just because she's a woman in the rap, in the rap scene. And it's that's kind of shitty because I think there's a lot of great woman rappers. You know what I mean? And I think they should get more. Uh, I, I, I couldn't see why a female rapper couldn't lead maybe the rap game into a different generation like Eminem did or Dre did. You know what I mean? I don't think the gender thing should be a, a, a determination, but sadly, we kind of still have that in the music industry. Uh, you know, uh, in rock and metal, it's very heavy that, you know, like, oh my God, female rockers and metal artists just get shit on so much just for being a chick in that genre. It's not even worth it because a lot of them are pretty fucking good. You know, I mean, like Lizzie Hale of Hailstorm, she's amazing. Maria Brink from In This Moment, she has a very distinct voice. It's very deep, uh, not raspy, but it it's almost like seductive in a way. Uh, and she can just scream her freaking lungs out. And it's amazing. And these bands started, I think, um, I want to say 2000, the 2010s. So not really, they're not really that far behind. And they've had some really great stuff. And so when I look at, you know, artists from that, it's kind of like the same thing with Cardi B. You know, they just get judged because they're women, even though their music is really not that bad. And in fact, their music is pretty fucking great. Yeah. And, you know, I agree with that. And like with a lot of rap, historically... I don't want to say it's just a sexism thing with women rappers. It feels like it a lot of the time because we haven't really seen a lot. You know, like in the 2000s, you know, I'm probably just ignorant about what ones are big in the 2000s. That hadn't carried over from the 90s. Because, you know, in the 90s, we had Lauren Hill. We had Missy Elliott. We had Lil' Kim. Um, in the 2010s, though, we saw Nicki Minaj become big. And she's kind of, you know, influenced a lot of this other, a lot of these other women to come in rap. But we also have artists like Lil Sims, who again, because underground rap is becoming so much more popular and rap is also becoming a lot more popular overseas, she's finally able to kind of get into the mainstream in a way. And that's actually really cool to see. Just with artists though in general, yeah, I don't really know. I do think some have been able to last, but there's some like Lil Nas X or Jack Harlow, who I think they've benefited a lot from TikTok. But it's like with Lil Nas X, I'm not sure if he's going to be able to overcome the whole, I'm going to say it's a shock value thing with both, with just music industry in general, because he is very openly gay, which is kind of a, something that's a first for rap. And, you know, he kind of became big. And I think part of this is because what we would call shock. It's kind of like with Tyler the, Tyler, the creator in the early 2010s when he was making horrorcore, extreme horrorcore, but then he's transitioned now into this kind of mix of rap and R&B. And then with Jack Harlow, I mean, uh, to be completely blunt, he's kind of like the next white rapper of the week. And, you know, he was doing good until his last album, his album last year, which was just abysmally average. 
it was honestly kind of disappointing. So it's like we have artists who I'm not sure if they'll be able to really overcome this new hill with TikTok and become bigger. I think they could. I'm not completely convinced that music or rap has changed it that much since, you know, we were in high school in the 2010s. Like, fuck, it's only been seven years since I graduated. <laughs> um, Seven years since I graduated. And while well, I think a lot has changed, because again, you know, TikTok's become more of a thing. I also think, you know, a lot of these artists, they had, you know, their starts to some extent before then, like in the mid-2010s, in the late 2010s. Yeah. And not to detract, um, but like, you know, going to the TikTok thing or going to the music industry and how the bar has been lowered, it's so much more easier to produce your own music and to actually get it out there and going. You know what I mean? But it also, I guess it's also also a case of like, it's a bit too much. And like I've said, it's just too much sometimes. And I like the variety, but also I think I miss out on some really great people because it's going so fast. You know what I mean? There's so many artists that are just releasing and releasing and it's just going so fast that, you know, I don't always get to keep up with people. And uh, I guess in a way, I wish we could just go back to where like it was just a few really big stars that I could just keep up with. (laughs) (laughs) See, I actually prefer it how it is now. Because not only is it kind of easier to get in there, you also have a lot more selections and also you're making these genres just... A lot of these genres are a lot more diverse now. Like, again, if we look at horrorcore and how it's evolved, in the 90s, really, all it was was just as experimental shit and clown shit. Like, and I'm not saying that's bad. I'm just saying that, you know, a lot of it was just Esham, Cage, ICP, and a few other names in there. You know, in the 2000s, you see it evolve into... Something similar, something kind of the same, but now you're also seeing other groups in it kind of form and actually gain some sort of semblance of success. And I don't necessarily think horrorcore is going to be mainstream ever. I don't think that's going to happen. I think we missed that shot in the 90s. I think certain artists end up becoming big because of their own accords, and if they bring that genre with them, then they bring it with them. Like, again, one artist Ruben and I recently listened to, named his name is Michi Darko. He released a great debut album last year. The problem is it released on the same day as a Jid's album, The Forever Story, which is also really good. And I think both guys could potentially influence the rap going forward heavily. Michi Darko comes from a hip-hop trio called Flat Butcher Zombies. They are a New York group that started making music around 2010. That said, um, his debut album, I think, had elements of horrorcore. It was mostly hardcore rap, though, and conscious. And I think it was really good. And, you know, there's a few other artists in there who... I don't really have a lot of artists who have a horrorcore influence at all or any, like, theming of it, which I think is okay. I wasn't really trying to, you know, give a list of spooky rappers. That said... You guys want me just to go over the artists I think could be big or could have been? Yeah. Okay. So I'm going to start with the one that makes me the saddest, and that's Pop Smoke. His debut album was Posthumous because he was killed in a home invasion back in 2020. Um, He was backed by 50 Cent. He was backed by, honestly, a lot of the industry. And his debut album is actually really great. I legitimately think he could have been the next big thing. You know, he could have been, like, I don't want to make it sound like he isn't his own person when I make this comparison. But you know how 50 Cent was big in the 2000s? I think he would have been that big in the 2020s. And we really lost out on a great rapper. And there's other rappers that, you know, I didn't look into a lot, but we have sadly lost others recently, such as Takeoff. 
who yeah. was part of Migos. That said, another rapper who didn't die, but I think his career has at the least, very least been derailed, is Travis Scott because of the Astroworld controversy where uh, some fans got trampled during a, um, God, what's it called? During a concert. And he's really not, I, I don't know if he's really come back from that. I don't know if he really can. He, he maybe will be able to, but I think right now when people think Travis Scott, at least, you know, outside of rap, they think Astroworld. Like, not the album, but the tragedy. Yeah. Because how is he going to have another, like, live performance? You know what I mean? Because people are going to already still think about that. You know what I mean? That's going to affect that. Yeah, and live performances have become a bigger and bigger thing, you know. And live performances have honestly become more and more important, like, honestly. A couple rappers I also think that could also be big, too, are actually from Western New York. One is Westside Gun, and he's also been partially signed, and he's been signed by Shady, and also Benny the Butcher. In general, Griselda Records is, I think, a good label, and I think they do have, uh, also Conway the Machine. I forgot Conway. But I think Conway the Machine also. He apparently left Griselda, but I still think he has, you know, that just momentum kind of going in. And I think this is a case where, you know, Eminem backed some people as like protégés and they have that chance to actually influence things. Though I would still, you know, be weary because Dre and Eminem don't have a good history with protégés. I mentioned him already. I think Jid or J.I.D. also has a really high chance of, his recent album, The Forever Story, was really good. And honestly, I'm kind of surprised. It looks like it didn't win a Grammy. It, it overshadowed Gothic Luxury, which was Michi Darko's debut album, like I said earlier. But I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. Because I do think, you know, this is an album that deserves recognition it got. Another artist I liked, I've liked that I looked into was 21 Savage. I think he sounds good. I think he could become more influential or he, I don't think he'd necessarily fall off. I just think maybe that, you know, we might see fans of music. I think maybe we might just see, you know, music fans kind of just move past him a bit, kind of. And that's not to say he, it's because he lacks talent. You know, like with Nas, I don't think a lot of, you know, mainstream music fans are looking at him in the 2010s. Because of his recent album run that has included King's Disease, King's Disease 2, Magic, and then King's Disease 3 last year, he's back in the public eye, though I still wouldn't include him in this list. I just think, you know, 21 Savage might end up kind of like that. I already went over Jack Harlow. Metro Boomin is a producer who I think has the possibility of being regarded as... As you know, as well like to say Timbaland was, or as Dr. Dre, or as Kanye was. But we're not going to discuss Kanye. <laughs> I went over yeah. Lil Nas and uh, Jack. Cardi B, I think, gets too much shit. Um, like, legitimately, if you dislike WAP, I would still give her a debut album a listen, because it's actually really good. She actually knows what she's doing. Her flow is good. Her lyrics are good. Her production's good. Megan Thee Stallion is another one who I think could be up there. Same with Lotto. This one will probably make Ruben sad. I think Mac Miller was set up for a really good 2020s. Like, you know, he he had released a really good album around the time he died. And I haven't listened to the entire thing personally, but just how, every, how people have reacted to it, it's like, you know, he was really coming into his own. And it's just, yeah. I mentioned Little Sims earlier. I think she could be one of the bigger UK rappers right now. I'm not sure. But she's also one that isn't doing drill. And that's actually something else I want to note is that I think drill is one of the first times that foreign rap has actually influenced American hip hop. Originally, the genre has been extremely American dominant only because it's from the country. Polo G is another guy I like. His flow is nice. His style is cool. I think he could be bigger. Flo Millie reminds me of Nicki Minaj. And I think she could easily have that same appeal. 
Um, this will be more of a hot take. Koyla Ray, I think, might have a shot or, you know, at least be remembered somewhat as an important rapper in the 2020s, only because she's really not that bad. She's not the best, but I don't know. I still like some of her stuff. Not necessarily only rap, but I also think Lizzo could easily be a, become a bigger star in the 2020s. Yeah, uh, and kind of like my final note, just to say, I think some people shoot themselves in the fucking foot. I think they are very talented people, but they're stupid people in the way that they make decisions. And that ends up making them just not real, really a thing anymore. Like, Is this a diss at Kanye? <laughs> no, this is, this, is, this, is, this is more of a diss at Machine Gun Kelly. Because I oh. genuinely think that he is a very talented person. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, and Machine Gun Kelly actually did have a following before the shit with Eminem. In fact, Machine Gun Kelly has actually fallen off really fucking hard. I never listened to him in the 2010s. I would have regarded him more as a 2010s rapper, but legitimately, he was, you know, one of those rappers mentioned kind of constantly, you know, if you were reading about white rappers at the time or talking about them. Like, you know, Yellow Wolf would come up, Mac Miller would come up, Asher Roth and Macklemore might come up. And so would Kelly. And Kelly would be brought up as a good one. And then he may, and then the shit with Eminem happened. And I don't think it actually destroyed his career as much as he did. Then he went punk. Now he's done with punk. And he has this really weird, cringy relationship with Megan Fox that has apparently ended. Yeah, I've heard about that. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, um, Jesus fucking Christ. That's Machine Gun Kelly's career, is Jesus fucking Christ. Dude, he uh, just. They- he got taken out with a machine gun. Dude, no, he shot himself in the foot with Eminem, and then so he switched from doing rap, and then he went to do rock, right? Which, he didn't do a bad job. Some of the shit was just, meh. I didn't think he was that great with rock, but there were some things that he was pretty good at. Um, so, I'm gonna... He, oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I was just gonna I say, don't... and then he started shit with uh, Slipknot and fucked really? himself there. Yeah. Yeah, see, I don't actually think the Eminem feud fucked him over. I think how he reacted to it did. And also how he went into it. Like, with Ja... This will be a sort of hot take, I guess. I don't know. I don't honestly uh, think that Eminem has actually truly destroyed careers. Like, Ja Rule was also dealing with legal bullshit and just waning popularity in general. You know? Um, Benzino? No one fucking knew what a Benzino was without Eminem. So, you know. But it's like... these. With the, Kelly, I think he would have been okay. It's just he got really fucking stupid for some reason. Like, he... I don't even think it's the dumb disses. Like, his original diss, Rap Devil, was not that bad. It was act, It's actually listenable. It's just it he kept going and going. Even the attitude isn't that bad. But it's, like, weird beard. And then how he acted off the fucking... You know, out of the songs... I don't even think the weird comments about Haley even did him in. I think he's just a dumb fuck who couldn't handle what the way he just started. And also, he called it Rap Devil, which was a bit cringe. I mean, I think it's cool. <laughs> uh, also, it's kind of cringe. I mean, it, it made sense for what he was trying to do. Yeah, but then, you know, so. Yeah. So, I mean, is it really that different? <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, Rap God's kind of a cringy name to me. It's a good song, just I just think it's kind of a cringy name. I'm okay um, with the name. I don't like the song, but that's also a hot take. So, yeah. Ooh, hot take. Super hot. Oh, I'm burning. Right now, as it stands, the music industry, in my mind, is it's going good. It is healthy. It is just really hard to pinpoint who would be the next big, big artist. If I could name also one more artist. He's been going since the 2000s, but his recent album, 
Ethiopes, I think, has kind of catapulted Billy Woods a bit more into uh, maybe not mainstream, but he's become more noticed around the underground rap scene. I didn't know about him before that album. Um, and it's not a bad album, actually. I think it's worth listening to. I think he could also see more of a rise. Also, if I might bring up a couple notable quote-unquote declines. Uh, I like Tech 9 but I actually kind of think the 2010s and 2000s were his decades and the 2020s aren't going to be it. I think Strange Music is kind of pecked a little bit. You know, there, there's some artists I think that just won't come back. And I guess I wanted to share that I'm sad about Tech 9 I will be quiet now. <laughs> Poor Tech 9 He blames his <laughs> for a lot of stuff. <laughs> yeah, it was his <laughs> fault. If we don't have anything else to add, uh, we should go on and give the nice people our suggestions for next week. Uh, Kareem yes. didn't mention any artists he listened to. Oh, I checked out some uh, Doja. With that, well, Doja Cat was okay. Okay, let's discuss really, Doja Cat for like a second. That. I hated her album. <laughs> and okay, there's rap on there, but I do not think she is um, worthy of such high praise in comparison to someone like Nicki Minaj. Please do not fucking tell me that she is the face of anything. Okay, thank you. She's the face of shit! Damn, Kareem. <laughs> that was kind of <laughs> aggro. She, she's, she's mad. I, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. Uh, I, I liked Cardi B. I liked Megan Thee Stallion. Uh, I was just skimming over some artists that, like, because I like, went to, like, a list. It was a list by Top 40 Weekly. Uh, it was, like, the Top 50 Artists of 2022. I was just kind of curious see what's on there and uh I, I liked bad bunny i was hearing some of that uh, obviously i don't know what the fuck he's saying but you know he's, he's good at what he's doing i like dua lipa i really like her voice i, I want to check out one of her albums sometimes because I, I i do think she's pretty good i definitely want to hear more uh, i liked lizzo a uh, ruben Sherda song from her i really liked that and i, I liked some 21 Savage. i didn't hear too much of them but uh i liked Glock in my lap. I like this delivering that. And I do think that, like, currently, like, the future of, like, music, I, I think it's pretty good. Like, I think it definitely, it's, like, obviously more, like, access to, like, a lot more different, like, artists now more than ever. And, like, the ability to, like, hear more, like, obscure artists is, like, better now than it was. Uh, and I think that's really neat. And I, it is kind of, like, get a little frustrating, because it would be nice to sometimes just have, like, Here's just the one person, and you can just go there, and you can figure out, you know. But, like, I, I think it, it's fine. You guys really want to overwork some of these poor motherfuckers. Damn. <laughs> Get the fuck in the fucking recording booth, Marshall. <laughs> it's time to release your fifth album this year, yeah. bitch. But uh, I do think, as, like, a casual person who's not, like, I'm not as aware of, like, the, the mainstream, like, music people. I do think it's cool that, like, I'm seeing a lot more, uh, like, uh, publicity and, like, talk about, like, a lot more female artists. I do think that's actually really cool. Like, especially, like, in rap. Because, like, I, I definitely am not, like, as aware of female rappers. So it, it is cool hearing about, like, Cardi B and Megan Thee Stallion. I do think they're really talented. Yeah. Uh, is, uh, is that is all? Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure. Yeah. You sure? I'm really sure. Okay. You know, you didn't talk about Lizzo enough, and she's a she's a Greek goddess. She you is. know that, right? Oh, oh, my God, I forgot someone I want to suggest. I don't know if he's really going to become big this decade. I wish he would. I also wish Eminem would collab with him. Nassan, he's son of Proof, the late best friend of Eminem, who we have reviewed at least once on this channel, I believe only once. So, yeah, he's worth listening to. He has some good music, too. N-A-S-A-A-N. So, yeah, there you go. 
Yeah, it'd be really cool if he did some stuff with them. I want to definitely, like, check out his stuff on the channel at some point. Yes, we need to. All right, now now let's suggest albums for next week. Cream has a lot to edit. Yeah. I'm going to have to great. do some work well, for once. <laughs> I'm going to start off. Mine's going to be Mitchie Darko and his album, Gothic Luxury. We found him randomly and put him on, and we were like, this dude is fucking great. All right, and uh, I got Hello Nasty by the Beastie Boys, the deluxe version. We've been listening to some Beastie Boys here and there every time, and we were like, why the fuck haven't we uh, reviewed the Beastie Boys? So I guess we're reviewing the fucking Beastie Boys now. Thank God. Why their 98 album, though? I, I, listen, I don't know the specific albums, so that's just the one I chose. Because <laughs> I was listening to some wow. stuff on there. Okay. I'm going to actually suggest a more obscure artist. Um, she doesn't make music anymore, but she has an interesting story, and I will properly take notes next time. Her name is Rita Jean Bodine, and the album, actually her debut album, it looks like, is named Bodine, comma, Rita Jean. Huh. All right. Huh. Oh, yeah. <laughs> All right. How dare you mock me? Hey, Lois. Yeah. Lois. Um, is that how we're gonna end it? Or are we just gonna make Gremlin sounds? <laughs> no. You should actually you should fucking make Gremlin sounds, and then Cream's just gonna have to put fucking Gremlins in, and fucking we get copyrighted. Yeah. <laughs> I'll just put in the whole Gremlins movie. At yeah. The end. yeah just <laughs> and that's how we lose everything. <laughs>